0: Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints, I I do not know if you have found yourself uh, before listening or overhearing a conversation that you knew that you were not supposed to. (laughs) Now, not not in a bad way, like not hearing people plot something nefarious or something like this, but just a conversation that was, as we, this is the cliche, is above your pay grade. Like, can you imagine just, like, walking into a room and there you find uh, President Biden talking with his cabinet about some sort of invasion? You know, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Or if you've heard a husband and a wife talking about their children, and you think to yourself, this is not, this conversation is not for me. Or something like this. I, this is how I feel with this Gospel text. In fact, the whole section that we're in here—John fourteen and fifteen and sixteen—and especially John chapter seventeen—it just I, I have to. T- so, I often feel often unworthy to preach a text. and That's you know a regular thing, but it's it, I, I feel unworthy just to hear these words that we're talking about this morning. That the Lord would, would grant to me the the privilege of listening to the words that Jesus is speaking now to His disciples. And, and the same for you too. Th- this is a marvelous... The Lord is just... In, he's, in, he's inviting us into His heart to hear what's going on there. There's 11 verses in our text, or 12 maybe. I, even every one of them could be a sermon. Every one of them could be a book. We're just going to think about three things, I think, this morning, but we're just barely scratching the surface of the of the richness of these words of Jesus. Jesus, we'll, we'll consider this, that Jesus is especially talking about joy and love and friendship. He's also talking about election, His command, the gift of prayer. There, there's so much there, but these three things, joy and love and friendship, we'll consider this morning. Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be full. Joy. So we, we have to face right away this problem, this temptation that all of us have, and that is to think that if we are serious about something, then we are joyless about that thing. And if someone is joyful, then they are not serious. If someone is happy, then they are... A light hearted person means that they are a light person. This is just not biblical. It's not how Jesus sees the world, and we have to fight against this. Well, one of the temptations that we have, I think, as human beings, but maybe especially as Lutherans, and if you're German, you have a double temptation, and that is to think that if, pe- if you want people to know that you're serious about something, then you have to be angry about it. <laughs> You have to furrow your brow. This is serious stuff here. But Jesus comes that we might have joy. But listen to what He says. And and here we have to also face the old temptation. And, And I've preached this and you've heard this preached before that there's a difference between joy and happiness. You've heard that before? I think it's true. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness seems to be on the surface. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy goes deeper. It's it's a matter and a state of the heart. But normally when I hear people talking about how there's a difference between joy and happiness, they're saying that so that they don't have to be happy. (laughs) They say, I can be joyful and really angry at the same time, joyful and frustrated. I want to be joyful and grumpy. That's how I'm going to show that the Holy Spirit is working in me. Now this joy that Jesus is talking about is a joy of the heart, but it shows itself. In fact, Jesus says, I'm saying this so that your joy can be complete, but this this is the main thing. Jesus says that my joy might be in you. There are things that naturally will make you happy or naturally will make you joyful. Some of you love to cross-stitch butterflies that's your joy. Some of you like to fix cars. (laughs) Some of you like it when the Astros win the baseball game. In other words, you have a joy that comes along from any various different things. But Jesus is not talking about that. He says, my joy will be in you. In other words, Jesus is saying that as a Christian, the things that make him happy will make you happy. The things that he delights in, you also will delight in. The things that make Jesus smile will make you smile. Like we read in the Psalms Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, that's because the desires of our heart are to receive the gifts of the Lord, and he generously gives them. So Jesus says, The things that make me happy will also make you happy. Now, what makes Jesus happy? What gives him joy? I mean, just for one example, we can remember what he, the parable that he tells about the lost sheep that he finds and rejoicing puts it on his shoulder and carries it home. In other words, the thing that gives Jesus joy is your salvation. His deep and profound love for you, the forgiveness of all of your sins, this gives him joy And it gives us joy as well, and not just a partial joy. Look at what it says in the text, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full, complete, lacking nothing. So we're fighting against sadness in this life. We're fighting against depression. We're fighting against trouble. We're fighting against all these things that are happening in our hearts, fear and so forth, how do we do It's by remembering this, that Jesus really does love you. As the Father loved me, says Jesus, so have I loved you. And that's our joy, our complete joy. And this joy is connected to love. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We heard in the epistle that this is his command that we love each other. And, he sa- and, and then John goes on to say, his commandment is not burdensome. Now we might want to argue with St. John who says that the command to love is not burdensome because we find this command always a burden It's always convicting us. It's always troubling us. It's always showing us our sin. It's always proving that we do not... I mean, we would like to just change one word in there. Jesus says, you love one another as I I have loved you. And we want to say, it's not a just as, it's a nothing like. I and mean, our love for one another is just barely beginning, just barely start, starting, faltering, always stained with sin and so forth and so on. But then Jesus goes on to explain it. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friend. And now we realize what Jesus is getting after. His love for us is his crucifixion, is his suffering and dying on the cross. It is his sacrificial death. And by that death, all of our sins are forgiven. All of them. There's not a single sin that Jesus didn't die for. Now, you know the devil will come along and tempt you to think that you have managed to out-sin Jesus' death. That you, unlike all the thousands and millions of sinners that have come before you, you've finally managed to do something bad enough that Jesus can't save. (laughs) Congratulations. You cannot, you cannot out-sin His love. You cannot manage something wicked enough that it is such a bad sin that His blood cannot wash it away. You just cannot, you are not that good of a sinner. He is a better Savior. His, his, his love means that He is bleeding and dying for you to take away all your sins to forgive all of your sins, to give you the Holy Spirit, and to begin to work in you a love that is confounding even to your your own mind and heart and your own sinful flesh. So that the love of Jesus begins begins to have its effect in your own heart. Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you should love as I've loved you. And we say, Now, Jesus, that doesn't sound like a new commandment. That sounds just like the old commandment. The old commandment from Leviticus was, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you should love your neighbor as I have loved you. It sounds an awful lot like the same thing until we realize that there's a different just as. The the new commandment is not that we love our neighbor as ourselves. It's that we love our neighbor as Jesus has loved us. He laid down His life for us. And we find that love only in Him. We find that love only in His Word, only in His Spirit, only in His gifts for us. We find that love only when Jesus comes along with the forgiveness of sins such that we have nothing to be afraid of. You know when you come to the the judgment seat of God, that He will welcome you with open arms. And that gives us the freedom and the confidence to begin to love and serve one another. And that's what Jesus says next. He he introduces the idea of friendship in this verse. Greater love has no one than this, and someone lays down his life for his friends. And then He launches right into this idea of friendship. Now, this verse 15, (laughs) this verse 15 should be written in gold. Gold. Jesus says to you, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because everything that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus calls you a friend. You he says are not my servant. You are not my slave. You are my friend, a friend of God. There's a a couple of verses in the Old Testament that talk about how Moses was a friend of God, how Abraham was a friend of God, and we're astonished to see that that word could be spoken. But if it was going to be spoken, it should certainly be spoken of those holy men, Noah and Daniel and Abraham. They stood with God. They walked with God. They spoke with God. God set them apart. And they served God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Surely that's right. If anybody is to be a friend of God, they would be. But Jesus comes along and he says this to you, that you are also his friend. What a friend we have in Jesus, we sing. But Jesus says, what a friend I have in you. Can you imagine? This is just, you wouldn't believe it unless Jesus himself said it, that he's calling you his friend. And friend is more than just a, a pal, although it is a pal, someone that you have affection for, but friend is also an official title. It's an office. It's probably what we would have call a, a member of the cabinet. You know, the president has these Men that or 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 women that he appoints to be his counselors, to be his sounding board, to, to to help him to govern. This is what it means to be a friend of the king. And Jesus says, This is who you are to me. You're not his servants, but you're his friends. And what is the indication of friendship? The servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But the friend does. The friend knows what is in the heart of the other one. And Jesus is saying here, you know what is in my heart. You know what my plans are. You know what my thoughts are. You know what I do, and you know why I do it. You know, says Jesus, my great love for the Father, and you know my great love for you. And so this morning we rejoice that God the Son, the Creator of the world, The one who holds the universe together. The one who was crucified, raised from the dead, and seated at the right hand of the Father. The one who is the creator of all and will judge the world on the last day. The one who rules and reigns all things. That this one is pleased to call you friend and invite you to dinner. God be praised. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.